0: Right on, right on, right on. Right on Radio. Right on Radio. And welcome back to Right on Radio, episode number 45, All Hallows' Eve. This, my friends, is going to go down as one of the classic Right on Radio episodes This one is really special because we hit some depths on Halloween. We talk about the history of Halloween. Plus, we talk about what it means for the dark side and what actually happens. Graphic warning right now. Uh, There's some pretty wild stuff. Jesse is the ultimate guest, as you know if you've been listening to the show, for this type of information. But then we take it from just someone who doesn't believe in God, doesn't believe in the devil, who participates in Halloween. And I believe we give a really balanced approach and answer that everyone, I think, will agree on once you hear it. Uh, But they they are just opinions. If you don't agree, that's okay, too. But lastly we talk about what the church should be doing and what the church has done in the past. And we talk about all this. So we go through a pretty dark spot around the middle of this program, but it really does shine in the end. But before we get into the actual episode, I want to play just a very short clip of some music because, well, let's face it, it's the only time a year you can play this type of music, and just because we're only a few days before the U.S. president election, I couldn't help but getting in a personal dig. Mysterious and spooky They're all together spooky. The Democrat Family Their house should be a prison
1: Where people can't go see them They send them all to prison The Democrat Family Beat Cheat Deplete Get the shawl on, a broomstick with more clothes on. We're gonna pay a call on the Democrat
0: family. Right on radio. Right on radio. And you're listening to this very special edition, our Hollywood Spooktacular. Ooh. <laughs> How <laughs> cheesy was that? But Halloween is actually a very significant date on many different calendars. So today we are going to address it. Good morning to you, Jesse.
1: Good morning, Jeff.
0: So, Jesse, this is one of the holidays. So, first of all, let's just take a look at some of the holidays on the different calendars. So, of course, we have Christmas. And most Christian scholars don't actually believe it was the birth of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. But we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And there is something very special in the air. There's a beautiful spirit around Christmas. Wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay. But
0: then on the christian calendar there's the very high event of easter now this is you know the super bowl of events essentially on the christian calendar the resurrection of jesus christ and on for christians there's no more powerful time in the spirit than this Uh, would you agree with that jesse
1: yeah i mean that's the epitome of the christian holidays is easter
0: but this time we're talking about what we call in north america halloween and not a lot of people really know about halloween so today we're going to discuss some of the origins of halloween some of the significance of halloween and really to take A non-religious Christian viewpoint, and I say non-religious advisedly on that viewpoint of, you know, what can we do, what can't we do, what should we do on Halloween? And Jesse, I'm going to be relying on you very much so for this
1: part of the discussion. (laughs) uh oh i don't know if i was supposed to respond there or not (laughs) i I, I caught her off guard
0: so let's so first of all just the history of it and the history of halloween by the way there's a lot of historical revisions that have been made about this time i've done a lot of research over the last week or so in particular on this topic and there's many different views and there's tons of information a lot of it comes from the other side too and so i actually paid attention to that the wicca version and you know all these different things but because there's been so much revision on the history apparently only god can keep a book together for thousands of years (laughs) first of all right uh, a man hasn't done a good job. And yes, by the way, God did keep his book together. Do not let people fool you about that. If he could put the stars and all the planets in the sky and create you, me, and the trees, he can keep a book together, okay? So let's just get that out of the way. However, okay. man's recording of this trust—we
1: have multiple drivers.
0: Right. is not quite as good. Oh, hello. Keep going. Like always. And we're about to do a technical, uh, a, a very powerful show. We have some technical difficulties. And by the way, for the listening audience, you have no idea the stuff that Jesse and I get hit with on this program, technically speaking, you know, there's, there's people who don't want this out, or I should say, spirits that don't want this out. So where does Halloween come from? So I, I took the information from many different sources, Jesse, mm-hmm. and I really put together what the, the parts that they all had in common. So I took those as being the most accurate truth. It right. was, that's a fair way to do it. So, you know, pretty much everyone agrees that it came from the Celts. So these are the people over 2000 years ago, essentially in Ireland, And part of the UK. It was a Celtic area. And really, what it started out was kind of like their New Year's Eve. It was the end of the year. You got to remember, thousands of years ago, you know, it was only farming. That that, that was pretty much, you know, there was probably a blacksmith and things like that. But really, farming was the main form of trade and survival for people. And so the end of the year, was because it's the end of the harvest and what they were (laughs) what they were celebrating was not only the end of the year but it was from what they called light to dark so on their calendar they had and by the way chime in on this because you know i've seen some stuff jesse that perhaps the demonic calendar kind of follows this but Essentially, they considered the summer months, you know, the time of light and warmth and where things would grow and the winter is very dark, it's cold, and it was more associated with death. The crops die, everything else, right? Is there some parallel in the uh, brotherhood satanic stuff that goes on there?
1: I think that's probably pretty close. I mean, when you get with that, um, you've got the light, which is the time where you know, see, you'll see more angelic activity or um, you, you've got where that layer between earth and heaven is is uh, is thinner. So, you know, people feel like they get more connection with angelic or light beings at that time versus during the winter months, um, that layer between the earth and heaven tends to be thicker, but the layer between the earth in the lower realms is thinner. So y- you get more connection with those demonic beings. So at a um, spiritual, you know, witchcraft view, that's that's part of that is that this is the time now the evil spirits can can come and kind of have their free reign without lots of intervention.
0: Yeah. And and that's exactly what the Celts believed, as a matter of fact, yeah. Jesse. Right. They thought that, in fact, the three days around Halloween, it was the thinnest yep. way and they could actually walk into the spirit world much easier. Right. Yep. But, but they also were conjuring up spirits and they were afraid of spirits of people that they may have offended in the past or whatever could mm-hmm. step through coming the other way and take revenge on them. So they would have big fires, trying to, to, you know, stay awake, to create the warmth, to over, to push off any spirits. And they would also put on masks, so the spirits would not recognize them. Mm-hmm. So you can see where some of the costuming started even right. thousands
1: back of back years time. ago. Yeah.
0: and And back then, they were so dependent on their crops and that for survival, of course you know this is going back to bc there were sacrifices made Mm -hmm. and you know some of it were animals but then you know i've seen other reportings of child sacrifice right back then because the for the for the village they wanted to have their good crops now what they were celebrating back then and the original name of halloween was it's pronounced uh, well? It's pronounced "so in," but it's spelled S A M H A I N. So Sam Hain, mm-hmm. but it's pr- pronounced "so in," which I found really, really telling mm-hmm. on its own. So they would celebrate light to dark. And now, just on a on a philosophical note, we celebrate. Dark to light.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They celebrated so, light and dark. <laughs> that's right. So, this is not a good way to start out, right? Right. And with the spirit world being so close at the time, you know, they, they really believed they would contact the otherworldly spirits in mm-hmm. this. And, you know, watch what you're playing watch who you're playing
1: with right right well i mean even the jesuit catholic church took that to a whole new level when um pope gregory the third declared this the um you know november 1st as the all saints day so that's you know you've got the night of halloween which you've got all these evil spirits and then the very next day You've got him declaring All Saints Day, which, you know, those are people who have passed on, who are in the other world. But they saw that as the gr- biggest day to be in connection with those people who have already passed.
0: It, that's right. And that's why I said we want to take a non-religious appointment. That sounds very religious to me. <laughs> well. <laughs> Actually, let me define what I mean by that. So I've always gone by my interpretation of religion is man's attempt to reach God, which man cannot do. We clearly learn that in the New Testament in particular. Faith is God has come to us. So when I say non-religious, it's it's removing man's effort because, you know, no matter how good you and I might pretend to be we cannot reach right. it has to be the faith that he came down to us so you're right and they they changed it and then it was uh in 609 AD it was actually Pope Boniface who dedicated the Christian martyrs and so they start mm. that's when they started making the statues of all the saints Amen. and and just on a well, no, this is a funny trail. It'll get us in a lot of trouble, but <laughs> praying, praying to saints and stuff like that, i well, I know how I feel about it, but there's a, there's a lot of people in this world that disagree with me and, and it's okay, we can disagree. Uh, I'm curious if you wanna chime in on that.
1: You know, I've had one really unique experience in my life, but for the most part, you know, I grew up because of my abuse where I did not pray to saints. Um, However, I did have one time in my life where I ended up in this kind of prickly situation and it looked to me like the the guy who is in the line at the uh, food place in front of me, um, it looked like he had something in his pocket, like a weapon of some sort. And I was started to pray and was asking God, you know, what should I do? And all of a sudden this old man, and I'm not even kidding. Like when I, I saw this old man and he was actually very tall. He was probably like six, seven, six, eight, but he walks in and he just kind of like walked in front of the two of us and started to order. And when I saw him, I was like, Noah. <laughs> It's like, I mean, just everything as a child i had ever imagined Noah to look like. I mean, this guy looked like him. And when that happened, the other guy who was kind of shady ended up just walking out. And so that was like my kind of interesting thing. Like he was not an angel, but it was just this guy. And he just kind of barged his way in there and that caused this other person to just leave so you know people i've heard some stories of people talking about saints intervening so that was kind of like one of those where i had to double take and be like was that just a random old guy or (laughs) i mean because everything within me was just like noah like
0: (laughs) could that have been a guardian angel
1: You know, I did not feel like it was an angelic being. So it was really like my first, The everything in my mind would just like associated with Noah. Yeah. That was weird. Very, very put that out there. So I'm not a subscriber either, but I did have that very unique event. So,
0: well, you know, I, I just go by what the Bible says and, you know, I don't see the Bible saying to pray to the saints
1: yeah i don't either so and, yeah
0: you know but hey listen uh there's a lot of traditions as well and you know uh, i i'm not an expert to knock it but with this stuff it's been used now and of course it came to north america and it became commercialized and they took the european traditions of wearing the masquerades and stuff and going asking for food or money which eventually became trick-or-treat here in North America. So here in North America, now we have people who, you know, go overboard, you know, putting gravestones on their lawns and stuff like that. And these people don't have malicious intent. Most people who do this are just, you know, I think just joining in on the fun. Listen, I trick-or-treated as a kid and I thought it was a blast. I looked forward to Halloween. And, you know, I liked the uh, the creepy thing. And and I wonder why people like it so much. Is it because we want to explore our dark side, our nature a little bit? I wonder.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. I think it, that's a very individual question. So we really can't answer that. I think that people have a lot of different reasons for enjoying that. Yeah. And
0: listen, we've, and we've been brought up with it. You know, there's been horror movies. Most people have mm-hmm. seen one and, you know, there, there's a, just, a, it's, and it, it can be fun. Listen, we're putting on costumes and that can be fun too. You know, there's no doubt as a kid, it was very fun to do. And uh, so I think most people don't have malicious intent. Most people don't even know where, uh halloween comes from of course there's you know the the rumor that it all came from it was a christian holiday that turned pagan well i think it was a a pagan celebration that christians right tried to intervene in and tried to take it back but it really was a futile effort
1: yeah i i see it more that second way as well
0: yeah they watered it down right and you know it's it's kind of like what we were mentioning you know uh, Christmas, they brought out Santa Claus. Like, you know, that's a, <laughs> that's the way things pattern,
1: get <laughs>
0: and we consider it to be a good thing, right? Right. Yeah. Well. Uh, well, I'm saying that sarcastically, <laughs> of course. But so Halloween is still a very powerful day. And this is this is the high time on the satanic calendar, Jesse. Right. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, from you know they. St- I, first, I'd encourage people if you want to be familiar with the satanic holidays, a great place to go check that out is Open Scroll Calendar, and type in you know satanic holidays, and that will. It will show you all of the satanic holidays as well as the rituals that are performed on that day and whether those rituals include male or female um children animals so um, that's a really great resource for people so this is one of those where you know starting october 13th um the the satanists begin to um abduct children and keep them in holding for this ritual day. Um, it can include more than children. It can be adults as well. So then starting on the 28th, they will nonstop sacrifice every, at least every hour. And this occurs at least, or let me, it's worldwide. So it occurs all throughout the world. Um, so you know especially as you near the 31st it's going to be even more where you know it goes from an hour to pretty much they're just non-stop sacrificing um and how well, does
0: everyone have to participate in the sacrifice or do some people just get to watch how does that work
1: most of the time everybody participates in some way or another um so you know most of, it, I mean, when I was a kid, it was if you weren't sacrificing, you were one of the people being sacrificed. Um, well, that's so, an
0: incentive. Someone has to bring a sacrifice.
1: Yeah, you could you could be bringing sacrifices. And if um, you
0: don't, you could be the sacrifice. Or how, how, how right, does
1: that work? Right. Yeah. Or they may just choose you. Like you would get there and not even know you were until you were chosen to be the sacrifice so um you know it just depends on what they want um you know for me it was an extremely difficult time because i didn't sacrifice um so you know there was always dire consequences afterwards um you know i'd have to sit there and watch entire things for the whole time so um but yeah, so you just got nonstop sacrifices. Um it's also a time there's a lot of sex magic because of the thinning of the layer between the spirit world and here. So you will have, you know, mass amounts of demonic spirits that are interacting with humans. Um we call them demonic or satanic relics. Um when and that means that there's time where humans and demons are engaging in sexual intercourse um this i'm gonna give a graphic warning here but um there's also a lot of bestiality um involved during this time so um you know it's it's just pretty pretty gruesome um lots and lots of blood and gore so so
0: and because listen the, the the tagline for this radio broadcast is live right in the real world and right. how do you how you can't determine which way is the best way for you to live right if you don't know what the real world is we're talking about the real world here this is stuff that is actually happening and yeah. it's happening this weekend in particular so, Jesse, uh, and yes, there is going to be a graphic warning here because I I usually don't ask you to get into some detail. Mm -hmm. But I want to paint a mental picture for people uh, without going over the top, of course. We don't want to traumatize anyone. But most people don't understand what sex magic is. And after we cover that, I want you to tell us about the room, the circumstances and what happens in the sacrifice, how it's done, things like that. Let's start with sex magic.
1: Yeah, so um, with, with sex magic, the easiest way to explain magic itself is that you are entangling at a quantum level um, with something other than God. So we all have this natural connection with God. So what happens is when we engage in sexual magic, like you're pulling away from that relationship with God and you're putting yourself intimately in relationship with something else. Um, and
0: how does someone do that? I, and I'm not asking for instructions for someone right, right, right. to no. <laughs> is it just a, a chant that they say or how how
1: does No um You know, it can include chants or mantras, but um, you don't even need that Um, most of the time. You know, there's a lot of different ways. So they could have like a sigil in their hand. It could just be that they, you know, um, are summoning a spirit while they're engaged in this act. So. you know, there's a lot of different avenues to it. It could be just through music, they could be playing music, and that music um, kind of takes, or is part of that process. So um, I've done a thread with Kathy Fox, a blog, um, and I think it was the one, how deep does the magic well go? And so in there, I've included some videos um that are pretty low key so they're not very graphic um but i've got some warlocks on there that are describing what sex magic is how they use it uh the different forms of it so i would encourage everybody to go to at kathy kathy fox and that's with a c um and look for that um on her blog site the how deep does the magic well wishing well go and that will really give you a good idea with those videos um what these individuals are doing and how it works um
0: so what do they try to accomplish through sex magic it it can't be just about sexual gratification
1: it's about opening so the, the premise of it is is engaging they want to be able to use human means to summon up the demonic spirits that they want to engage with so you've got these these people that they want knowledge they want wisdom they want something from these demonic spirits but the demons won't give them all of this stuff for free they the demons are the ones who are demanding you know if you want to talk to me, if you want to engage with me, then this is the process first. You have to engage in the sexual thing, encounter. And, and the different demons will outline how they want that done.
0: And they really just want it to be an affront to God.
1: Right. And so as the person then engages in that, then it opens where that demon will appear and manifest and will start to speak with them and talk with them and give them what they're seeking so that's the ultimate goal of it is that that deeper connection with the spirits in the spirit world um who are higher level demonic spirits and refuse to engage with humans unless they're getting something out of the deal so um and it does go further because then beyond the human sex, then you have the demon will then demand these people engage in sexual encounters with them as well. And a lot of times that's when they will fully reveal all of the, you know, more of the knowledge or bigger pieces of it. Um, so. Okay. You know,
0: hold, hold off on yeah. that, Jesse, because I'm going to come back to that, but I want to just paint a picture for someone uh, when they do this sex magic, is is it just a man and a and a someone else in in a bed? Is there is there a pentagram on the floor? Are there witnesses? Tell me what the room is like.
1: Um, yeah. So it's different. I mean, it, they could be asked to do it anywhere. Um, when I was a child, like, so one of the. I think it's that same blog that I mentioned earlier. Um, I talk about how me and my training partner and one of the other hierarchy children um, were trying to kind of hide from this group that were um, they were doing a child hunt, and so we had slipped into a room and into a wardrobe, and you know that happened to be where one of the adults pulled another child in and started doing sex magic in the room. And so we were privy to all of that, you know, through what we were seeing through the wardrobe. Um, When they do it, like when they're doing it in their circle group or their coven, uh, then you are going to have a a sacred space set apart. Um, Usually that will be in a sanctuary or um in a very large room um, actually it's even done at the military bases um, usually it will be in the big hangars where they can draw these massive pentagrams um, so you know they'll have these big open spaces and they'll put people people will be in certain positions um on that pentagram and then behind or around the pentagram that's where you'll have the individuals who are engaged in the sex magic creating energy and force and engaging with those demonic spirits who are also adding their energy to that um pentagram and to the individuals who are in the circle and then they'll be using that to do some sort of magic or spell or summoning um but it'll be like a collective effort instead of just one or two people
0: now you know i just don't want to go there when you when you talk about (laughs) the beasts but with the people involved in sex magic are they always willing participants
1: no so a lot of times they are unwilling participants, um, but there is no—you know—there's no drugs, there's no medication given. Um, sometimes, if somebody is really fighting or struggling, they will give them a paralyzing drug, so it will make it so that they cannot move, they cannot speak, they can't fight it.
0: And is it ever—is there ever children involved in this?
1: Yes, I would say, you know, the majority of it is, you know, an adult perpetrator with a child. Um, You also do have during this time, a child perpetrating on child as well.
0: Now, when, when we think of this, and, you know, because, because rape, it's, it's not common for a woman to rape a man for instance you know uh, there's some physical limitations to that but could would the females also be the perpetrators in this
1: yes and and there are ways that they've come up to make that happen um so you do have females perpetrating on through this as well so it, it's We'll give the graphic warning, but you have both, you know, the perpetrating happens vaginally as well as um, anally in these situations. So,
0: Okay. Now let's, let's talk about the sacrifices. And the reason why we're doing this, it's not for shock value. It's so you understand what this holiday is and how powerful it is on their side. And then we're going to talk about the remedies before we close out. So this is going to end in a very good way. But with the sacrifices, again, paint a picture. What does the room look like? Um, the, the victims can be obviously lots of different people. Is it just a, you know, a, a one shot to the heart with a knife? What happens in this? Or is this an adrenochrome extraction?
1: Um. It, it would not be a time usually that they are particularly es- extracting, um, but do some of the individuals engage in that practice? Yes. So it would be, you know, from my experience, it started off where you've got the actual ritual, ritual time. And that this is one of the times Satan himself um appears and he only comes where he, he appears at every single ritual. He he will do that four times a year. So he literally has it timed out so that, you know, starting tonight, um he will be he will attend every single Halloween ritual service that there is around the world. Um, so he makes his appearance everywhere. So for that part um it's it's very formal it's very precise um mistakes are not allowed if you make a mistake it's it's literally a death sentence uh because you know the people who are overseeing how the ritual is run um don't want to get punished by satan uh if the ritual's messed up so you know, they are sticklers where everything will be precise. So, um, like it, for me, it started off where, you know, it was set up in the sanctuary. And so as we entered into the sanctuary, Sanctuary um, in a church, in or? a Catholic church. Yep. Yeah. Um, there was an altar that was set up, um, up on the, um, I guess what we call the altar area. Um, But there was another altar where the table, where the, you know, usually the scriptures or the communion are held. So that was an actual setup altar. Um, They have, you know, special coverings that go over it. Um, They'll put special things down on the flooring. Um, And then you would walk down and everybody would kind of take their place that altar it has a it's like usually sitting in the middle of a massive pentagram um there's candles at the five points um and then so like as you come in there are five selected people who are overseeing the ritual or they're kind of the highest level people of that group when they come in, those people are then gonna place themselves where those candles are um standing directly behind them. Um and then the the candles are left lit because when the demons come in and make their presence known, um those candles are going to go out. Um, so that's how the demons make their presence known, is they'll have the candles go out later they do relight them or sometimes you'll see the candles levitating um so that's kind of the first part and then they start you know their chant or their um summoning um usually they'll have a throne set up uh, on the north point of the star which is in between like for the satanic pentagram you've got like the two points of the star and it will kind of look like a goat's head so that would be considered the north point so wherever that is in the sanctuary that's where they're going to have a throne set up for Satan to come and sit in so he has you know front row seat Um, and then you know they, whoever's uh, you know the sacrifice would be brought in and put on the altar and you know usually there's uh, graphic warning here, but usually there's uh, rape and some other things. Um, this is a time where it goes far beyond. It's not just a killing, um, not just stabbing through the heart. Um, you know, it it depends on the place you're at. So I've seen different methods and how they do this part. Um, but usually there's some organ harvesting and eating of organs while the person is alive. Um, Those things are considered the um, blasphemic offering or the unholy offerings. Um, And there'll be a lot of defecation. So, you know, sometimes they would have scriptures that would be opened that were around the altar so blood would get on those scriptures um things like that so it really changes like depending on different areas um sometimes you know their altar um was like an area where they would have victims who were hanging upside down like as though they were like stretched out on a cross upside down Sometimes they do use actual wood crosses and hang them upside down and then, you know, would gut the individual from there. So um, it just depends on the place and who's doing the sacrifice. Wow. But it gets, it's pretty graphic.
0: And, and, you know, so a couple things I've taken away. First of all, the depravity is incredible and why someone... Anyone, doesn't matter where you were brought up or, you know, why anyone would do this and sacrifice eternity, you know, for Mm -hmm. maybe riches or knowledge or power on this earth. Man, oh man. And by the way, when we speak of power and stuff like that, we've mentioned the names before. We won't on this broadcast. Uh, But the very high people in the brotherhood, uh, some of them are pol- well-known politicians, and others. Mm-hmm. This is the sort of thing they're doing this weekend,
1: right? And you know, I mean, they're meeting, they're having their dinners, their hunting parties, where they're actually hunting human people. Um, there is cannibalism that's involved at some of the dinner parties. Um, you know, so and the big part. I mean, you know, I I would it's hard to talk about because I don't want to encourage people to even look into this, but just know that this is a reality of the depravity is that there are children who are being, you know, sexually molested by animals at during this time. And, um, these people don't stop that, you know? And so imagine being a small child And being subjected to that, on top of all of the other abuse, you know, we're talking gang rape that happens by human spirit and animal. And some of these children, you know, there are some who are chosen to live through this, but some of them are chosen where they continue that abuse until the child dies. Um, So, you know this is the depth that it goes to and so we really need to be in prayer during this time we need to be fighting in the spirit world um holding back those demonic spirits and asking the lord to not allow them to be able to do any of this wickedness at all
0: and and, and i want to get on that and and quickly because some of this stuff is just Listen, I, I'm getting pretty seasoned having uh, worked with you for a while now, Jesse, <laughs> and heard most of your interviews on other programs, uh, you know, where you go into great detail, but you know, this this is hard.
1: Yeah, it to, is hard.
0: It's hard to hear uh, even, and, but th- there's a couple things. That it, so first of all, the comment about where you were was that church in Chicago. Uh, for that,
1: and, yeah, the one I was talking about just now, yes, that one at Chicago.
0: What's amazing to me is for instance this year halloween is on a saturday night so sunday morning christians are going to walk in there the place is going to be completely cleaned and they're going to worship god or make an attempt to in that same church so that's just just want to point that out to you to the listening audience so the couple things that you touched on uh that i just want a little bit of clarity so first of all because the audience is going to really want this um we you've had insight jesse into the unseen world for most people Mm -hmm. this is an unseen world so when when you said originally when we were talking about the sex magic and stuff like that how does someone have sex with a spirit
1: um Yeah, that's hard to explain, but they, they have the ability to manifest in, in physical form. Um, So at moments, it could be that they are manifesting in that physical form. Um, Other times they, they will manifest through a human host. Um, So I've talked a little bit about, you know, the changeling demons and how they can change the physical appearance of somebody so it can happen either of those two ways. Okay, and
0: and you've also referenced on one of the earlier programs we did, I think it was episode 13 or episode 15 of Right On Radio, but you also mentioned when Satan comes and you've seen him numerous times, yep. you've seen him in four different forms that he appears right. in. So which form does he appear in on Halloween night?
1: Usually it's his very alluring form so he you know will show up as the gentleman uh very suave very Davier.
0: when does he show up as the beast
1: um that's at different times but um he can he he, i was trying to remember if he did that
0: he could probably change in the midst too yeah i was
1: gonna say i think he did change in the midst for halloween where he does show up as the beast at the end um and then i know like for like usually when there was the hunting parties sometimes he would show up as you know the dragon in the woods and stuff like that and then the other time that i saw it um you know i don't remember it being as one of the specific rituals where he showed up as that dragon um so, you know, what I remember is he was pretty much in human form for the entire ceremony and everything that happened afterwards.
0: The real alluring,
1: beautiful,
0: yeah. beautiful yeah. creature. So, okay. So we, we've covered off that. And I think, I think that paints a really good picture. People understand what's going on. Uh, actually, before I close off this and move to the next section of the broadcast, because I, I want to paint a full picture here jesse what are they because this is their their biggest night of the year Mm -hmm. what are this year in particular this year in particular 2020 with the election right around the corner what are they trying to accomplish
1: um yeah there's a lot of targeting at the election at trump um I wanna go into a little bit of a backstory here. Some of the numbers play a huge part. Um, So you've got 2020, which means you've got, when you add it up, you've got the two, uh, you've got a number four. And that four four is very significant in their world because it represents um, a door. And so they believe that this is the year that, you know, esoterically um, a major door is going to be opened and that door that is being opened is to Satan. And, you know, I've talked about his agenda, that his agenda is to usurp the throne of God. So, you know, they're believing that that doorway is opening to give them access to, you know, putting more things together for that agenda of usurping God's throne. Should
0: we be looking towards CERN this weekend?
1: Um, You certainly should. Yeah. I'll say that.
0: Okay. Yeah. Listen, I, I personally think that the, you know, this was the devil's timing. I personally think that God is thwarting him.
1: Right. He is. Um,
0: and it's delaying his plans. It, listen, the the end of the book is still going to come true. So, you know, at you. some point. But you know, I, I've mentioned that on other broadcasts, so I won't get into you know my personal feelings, and that's all it is. It's my personal feeling. You know, uh, you can agree, you can disagree. I'm just being real with y'all. So, now let's just go down to a very basic level, Jesse. People have trick or treaters coming to their house. Mm -hmm. People in your neighborhood have, you know, their things dressed up. Uh, Churches, you know, some of them do what they call hallelujah nights. And so without getting into the spiritual warfare or anything yet, just for, you know, so we can look at our neighbor and not in judgment or anything like that. Or, you know, as as a believer, can we hand out candy? you know what what's your thoughts on this a coming from someone who's well studied knows both sides well because i have heard on other interviews uh not with yourself but with other people who are survivors and very credible survivors that there's no redeeming of this day and if you participate in any way you're offending god
1: yeah well i'm going to start with you know um one you need to be in prayer and asking god how he if he wants you to be involved at all um with that said you know um we have to remember that every single day belongs to the lord it's his and you know the enemy has come and tried to steal kill and destroy and you know try to claim this day as his own and as sons of god we need to stand firm and to say, no, you know, we're not going to let you claim this day that belongs to God. So that's where I'm going to kind of first start. Um, With that said, a lot of people don't understand the little nuances or the significance behind the little things done in Halloween. So with a base initiation ritual that happens in uh, the brotherhood, they, a lot of times they would give you something sweet or a little treat. And that represents, you know, it goes all the way back. They'll say to um, the time where Daniel, the prophet, you know, was, was taken, um, him and several of the other Israeli royal children were taken into the court of the king of Babylon after Babylon overcame Israel. And so the king of Babylon had brought in all these royals to serve on his court and offered them all the delicacies of his kingdom. And, you know, at that point, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego approached, you know, the person who was over them and said, Hey, we cannot eat these delicacies that the king is offering. Can we, you know, just fast and eat vegetables? And, They were allowed to do that um so with that you know really what the treats represent is that the delicacies of satan's kingdom and so he makes an offering he offers those delicacies to everyone all the children and you have a choice are you going to eat of his delicacies or are you going to turn away from those things so You know, in the satanic world, this is what this represents. Um, One of the things that they do in the warehouses before all these uh, treats go to the stores where they'll be distributed is, you know, they have witches and warlocks who are putting spells, hexes, incantations, and linking low-level demonic spirits to these treats. So that's meant that as you consume it, you are entering into, in a way, into a contract with Satan. You are choosing to eat the delicacies of his kingdom. And therefore, it uh, at a spiritual level, it's giving the spirits the right to oppress you, to interact in your life, to um, reach out and start trying to communicate with you and connect in other ways. Um So with an initiation, usually you would be, you would be offered a treat, you would accept that treat, you would consume it, and then you would say certain words. Um, So even with Halloween, we see this exact same process. You know, you go to somebody's house, you knock on their door, they offer you a treat, you take the treat and you say certain words, trick or treat. And you've just been initiated into the lowest levels of Satan's kingdom, not even knowing that you're participating in an initiation ritual. Um, So that would be my first thing to say to people um, is that we need to be aware. You know, it seems harmless. It seems, you know, fun. Kids do it. Everybody does it. does it mean that it's right or that we should continue to do that once we know, you know, I think we've got, you know, we have to be accountable before the Lord with that. Um, However, with all of that said, I'd like to bring people back to a passage that Paul talked about with the early church. Um, You had the situation where, um, you know, in their markets with the early church, um, all of the meat that was being sold at the markets would first be offered to idols and then it would be sold for people to buy. So they were in a situation where in order to buy meat, there was only one way to get it. You had to buy the meat that had been offered to the idols first. And so, you know, the church was split half the people, you know, they could buy that meat and eat it and had no issue like that, you know, it didn't affect their conscience. They didn't feel guilty about it. They still, you know, they gave thanks to God. They praised God for providing for them. And they, you know, ate it with joy, thanking God for his provisions. Um, The other half, you know, it was something where consciously they could not eat that meat knowing that it had been offered to idols. So Paul's, Paul's advice first was that, you know, if you can eat the meat and, and the Holy Spirit is not, um, convicting you, then eat the meat. But if the Holy Spirit is convicting you, then don't eat the meat. And then he went a step farther and said, you know, but as you, if you're one of those you choose not to eat the meat, don't judge your brother who does eat the meat because his conscience is clean before God. So I think that that applies even in this situation, is that you know, if you can participate in those things and the Holy Spirit is not convicting you, um, you know, and your conscience is clear in that before God, then I believe we are able to do that with a clean conscience, and we shouldn't judge those who do that. But if God is convicting you and that's not what the Lord wants you to do, then don't participate in it. So that's kind of where I fall on that. Oh. Um, now, when you I
0: say participate, of- and, and I'm just going to speak to only Christians now, as a Christian parent, um knowing what we know now about this holiday, should we dress up our kids and let them go around and do trick-or-treat?
1: You know, I, I guess I would I would err on the same thing that I just said that if you can do that without a guilty conscience, you know, then that's between you and God. But at the same time, you know, there are it's a abductors. bit of a risk, I would say. Yeah, there there's a risk. So one, you're, you know, if your child is not strong in spiritual warfare, you're opening your child up to spirits. You're also, you know, if they're not aware that there's a contract being made, well, you're kind of putting your child out there to make a, con- a base contract with, with the devil and evil spirits. So, um, is that a position you want to put your child into, especially at a young age? Um, the other thing is um, that, oh, now I forgot where I was going with that, but, um, doo, doo, doo. yeah, I lost it. Okay, but, so, okay, well, yeah.
0: I, th- I think you answered quite well on that. Okay. So now let's take a look at the other, uh, the other side. What about someone just, like a, a Christian in particular, just staying at home, should we answer the door and hand out treats? And you know, being a good Christian, I'm assuming a Christian has prayed over these treats and redeemed it from right. whatever spells. So it is, would that be okay?
1: You know, I think, again, I would go with the conscious thing. If that's what you feel God is leading you to, if you have prayed over those treats, ask the Lord to bless them. I know people who are handing out tracts or, um you know they'll hand out the treat and say jesus loves you so i would say you know if the lord's putting that on your heart then you know proceed proceed with caution but um you know it's very individual and it, i think it really goes down to that relationship with the lord yeah what and, and is by god the god wanting if you... you to do you know, but and no judgment, we, right? Like, right. don't
0: judge your brother or sister because of what they did. Because I, I think you've put it so perfectly, Jesse. It's really an individual yeah. thing between a person and God.
1: Exactly. You know, at the same time, though, you know, we have to be engaged with our communities. If If you're just sitting at home, ignoring everything going on knowing that all of this is going on around you in your community with the children that are in your community i think there's more that needs to be done than people just closing the door turning off the light and having a nice you know chillaxed or laid back night
0: i would agree with that now let's get into some controversy as if this episode (laughs) doesn't have any already um but you know, when my, when my daughter was young and I had just been saved, uh, the the church we went to had something called a Hallelujah night. And I gotta say, this church offered an alternative to Halloween because kids felt they were missing something if all their school friends were going out trick or treating. And so the church went over the top to make sure it was super fun. They put in scriptures and stuff like that, and the kids felt. That, uh, you know, this was a good alternative. They didn't miss anything by doing Halloween, missing Halloween. And so, uh, you know, I have really good memories with that and seeing my daughter enjoy it. And, you know, they got lots of candy and Mm -hmm. things like that. But yet a part of me now, and I'm not holding it against the church, because as I say, I think it was an overwhelmingly positive thing. But now that I look at it from a different set of eyes, Jesse, I'm thinking is church now trying to take a pagan thing and kind of just copy it and making it ours. It sounds like something, it sounds weak.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, that that's kind of the point you can take with it, but um, I, I agree. I think, you know, behind the heart of most of it from the churches that I've known who have done similar things is that they want to, kind of redeem the day to give something healthy kids can participate in, um, to keep them off the streets, to keep them from going, you know, door to door and participating in the pagan part of that. They just bring it to the church, to the Lord. Um, but this is interesting because, you know, as we, and again, we're not saying every church has this happen, but in my situation, You know, think about it this way is that the church would, they later on, they offered things like that. They would have the hallelujah parties, but then starting at midnight, after everybody's gone, what was happening in the sanctuary of that church? Sacrifices, all, you know, things that were being done, sex magic, all sorts of wickedness. Um, so how do those things, you know, if we if we have it there, but then there's still evil things that are happening.
0: And, and in that, that case, is... Jesse, that's more ammunition for the Antichrist. It's like, look how ineffectual
1: Right. This how is. Ineffectual so that, that's obviously was, an extreme.
0: That... Most likely your church does not have sacrifices. <laughs> okay,
1: just for the right. that, that's why I made that disclaimer. But... <laughs> I mean, I want people to to really think about this, like think about this in your community, because what if it's not even at the church? What if it's happening, you know, at the church across from you? Or what if it's happening in tunnels underneath your city? Um, you know, wherever it's happening, you know, what kind of impact does that night have in the long run to really impacting, um, you know, the kingdom of Satan. And and that's what we really have to think about is what is the longest term effect. And, you know, this is the biggest night in the satanic world. And so as Christians, this should be the night that we literally are geared up in our armor and we are on the front lines telling the enemy, no, you're not getting a foothold in our community you so what, what does that look spirit. like
0: jesse what 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 does what does the spiritual warfare from from god's army which by the way is much stronger than right. the enemy's army what does that look like is it is it prayer groups is it is it combination of worship and prayer uh, i personally yeah. think just my opinion that worship right. is actually our strongest thing you know prayer can be good Absolutely. but what drives me nuts so no i shouldn't say this because people who around <laughs> me might think he's talking about me <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, people who really repeat themselves a lot in prayer and stuff and just keep saying the same things to me I, if i pray for something i just kind of believe in faith that it happens it doesn't mean i won't pray for it again it's right. uh, oftentimes i do but uh, to me worship and i think of the walls of jericho and things and- like that You know, worship and music just carries something really, really powerful. And, And being a former professional musician and being kind of on the other side of the equation with it, I knew how powerful music was on that side. And then you come to it. And one of the things that I learned about music, and again, this is my opinion, but I believe it to be true. And music carries the spirit of the author right so if you're listening to secular music you have to really check what the heart of the person is or you know yeah, what yeah. their spiritual uh situation is on that music that you're listening to and listen i still listen to secular music i love the fact that uh you know quite well quite honestly christian music uh, not all of it but most of the mainstream stuff really lacks Uh, good musicality. (laughs) You know, uh, there's great songs made for church and stuff like that. But, you know, listen, I'm a guitar player. You know, Eddie Van Halen, who just passed, you know, that guy was pretty spectacular. And we haven't seen that in the Christian church. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that. Phil Kagey. Look him up if you don't know who Phil Kagey is. But when Jimi Hendrix was the up-and-coming guitar player, Phil Kagey, who's a devout Christian, Jimi Hendrix said, "Phil Keaggy is the best guitar player in the world." <laughs> wow, man of God! So, anyways, I'll just I'll just transition from that. But I think worship should be a big part of it. And
1: right, you know, so, so you're gonna sit in your garage with with a bowl full of candy with your guitar, and you're gonna sit there and sing praises to you know over your community and over the children that are coming, and, and pray for them with your you know, while you're worshiping God, handing out candy.
0: Wow. <laughs> okay. I do have an amplifier in my garage. <laughs> I, I haven't played guitar in a long time, Jesse.
1: <laughs> well, whatever. I, I mean, you could sing, too. I, I don't know. If no,
0: no, that I can't be
1: Receptive to you singing, but. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not in public. Not in public. Uh, but you know what? Yeah. Uh, so this I'll be, is it
1: this is a great time like when people you know are looking for a way to engage um you know we forget you know there's stories like you know joshua and uh the fall of jericho and literally the israelites simply you know they were silent and they just walked around the city of jericho until the lord told them to shout you know and during halloween what are people encouraged to do? You're encouraged to be out there with your kids, walking through your community. So it would be a great time to use things and do things like, uh, you know, prayer walks or worship walks. Like you're singing, well, you're walking from house to house, praying over the families in your community. Um, this is a great way to really engage with that.
0: And and you know what I. <laughs> One of the greatest weapons that we have in our quiver, you might say, is in the commandments. And this is a time when you can love your neighbor. Right. Just as simple as that. Look, it's a, it's an opportunity for community engagement because people are out. Love your neighbor. And, and really... And, and, and not saying go and kiss and hug them or anything, but listen, look at look at them no matter who they are, no matter how fallen or how godly they are, look at them as a creation of God because they are. And not one person is better than any other person in this world. doesn't matter your financial stature, doesn't matter, but you can love on them. And love is really what God is. This is the essence of God. So yeah. what do you think, Jesse? This is a right. good place to, to call yeah, it a show.
1: It's a great place to call it a show, but this was a great show.
0: It really was. Jesse, I love it when you go into the guest chair. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when you're also the guest host of this show, uh, the co-host. I shouldn't say guest host, uh, co-host. But you know, your knowledge, it's such a privilege, Jesse, to to work with you, uh, you're, you know, you, the first episode we did together, uh, the title was it, title was Satan chose her because it's a true statement, but you know, uh, we're going to do a follow-up to that. And it's God chose you because he chose you before the earth was even made, Jesse.
1: Amen to that.
0: And he, and he chose you for a very special purpose. And it's just an honor and a privilege and tomorrow night we'll both be singing to our lord
1: that's right i'll be singing
0: <laughs> so in having said that love your god love your family love your neighbor and make a difference in your community right on radio right on radio